everybody. Welcome back to Forbidden Cinema. Hello. Hey, I'm Zach. I'm Jenny. And this week, uh, we're going to go deeper on Dick Tracy. All right. So uh, I have not rewritten my notes this week. So uh, I might have Jenny notes this week. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I, I mean, like, literally, any... that's that's the whole thing. Like, I only have so much room in my brain for so much, and and it, it's already gone by the time we've watched the movie, <laughs> taken notes, come downstairs, gotten a drink. I haven't even drank that much yet. And, yeah. I'm like, I don't know what that says. So if there's any really long silences followed by, uh, I can't read my writing, babe. <laughs> uh, sorry about that, guys. I don't edit these as extensively as I do the main episodes. So we will see what happens. Woo-woo. We'll see, huh? <laughs> Are you doing my Madonna impression? Weren't <laughs> yes. <laughs> we watching something other the day and some rando person did your British man impression and he was like, what's up, governor? I think it was, was it Friends when they were in London, yes. like the, the dad of Emily? Or something like that. Yes. <laughs> oh, governor, you want some tea? That's all I've got. I don't know why British people have to shout. In my impression. Because, I mean, really, honestly, they're probably famous for being, being very reserved. <laughs> no, my my British impression is like 80% Dick Van Dyke and like 20% extra in Snatch. <laughs> okay. I mean, that's your basis for, yeah, then that makes sense. Or maybe like 4% the way Madonna was talking in, in 2003. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Jillian Anderson, too. <laughs> so um, we're just going to get right into it, I guess. Yeah. I wrote Warren Beatty career, but I ran out of room writing all the women he slept with. And <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't have any room to write anything about his career. <laughs> So we scrapped that, and <laughs> all right, what's the Warren tea? Warren was 52 when we were making this movie. Yow. I mean, he looks He looks fantastic. for 52, mm-hmm. which puts him in his 80s now. Yeah, that's, I don't think that's why we, I think that's why we have not seen him in a while. He's, hold on to that, though. Okay. Hold on to that. So, okay. So, um, this list, I mean, I don't know how reputable the internet is on who slept with who. Hmm. Who knows? But Diane Sawyer, Connie yeah. Chung, Raquel Welch, Elle McPherson, Vivian Lee, Joan Collins, Diana Ross, Lady Linda McCartney, Morgan Fairchild, Goldie Hawn, Princess Elizabeth of Yugoslavia, Bridget Bardot, Mary Tyler Moore, Diane Keaton, Barbara Hershey, Joni Mitchell, Daryl Hannah, Isabella Jani, uh, Charlotte Lewis from like the 1990 something movie with Dolph Lundgren, Men of War. <laughs> uh, Natalie Wood, Julie Christie, Barbara Streisand, Carly Simon, Stephanie Seymour, Janice Dickinson, Melanie Griffith, Jane Fonda, Candace Bergen. Apparently, You're So Vain by Carly Simon is about him. Oh. So. Is, is is he the the nineteen? Is Carly Simon? Is that seventies or eighties? You're so vain. That's probably seventies. Seventies, I think. Is yeah. he like the seventies version of Dave Coulier? <laughs> and, then, and then also what it, whoever Taylor's singing about. <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't talk about my girl Taylor. <laughs> I mean. No shade, but she's singing about dudes. My copy of Fearless came with a bunch of little paper uh, stars <laughs> in it. So just that little added touch if you buy it from the official store. 
cute. So you want to talk about the um, oh, also uh, Warren Beatty? Um, what I did come up with his career is lifelong Democrat, heavily involved in politics most of his life, but was one of uh, John McCain's pallbearers. Interesting. Can we just reach across the aisle a little bit, guys? I'm sorry, we're not trying to get political here, but can we just get some crap done? For real, for real, for real. But I do want to note, like that's a very diverse list. I'm impressed. He doesn't really seem to have a type. I mean, two legs and vagina? I don't know what the... It sounds like the beginning of a joke. Like, this guy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Um, Yeah, I mean, he gets around. He's a busy dude. (laughs) But been married since 1992, so right after this. So, you know, my big assertion that this is kind of his addressing his commitment fears... Yeah, but he dated Madonna. He's not married to Madonna. So I kind of think that Madonna whatever got whatever out of his system. And he was like, oh, Lord. <laughs> That's not oh, Lord. That's not even oh, Lord. <laughs> he, he met his match. And he was like, Annette Benning, you look amazing. <laughs> He's like, Annette Benning, I test true heart. Annette Benning, I mean, I don't know. but <laughs> Red hair, red hair. <laughs> I mean, 52 and Madonna in 90, that's that's a lot to handle. I mean, I I mentioned before we were talking about the sex book that I like had visions of Warren Beatty talking and talking about her. And I'm pretty sure it's her The Truth or Dare documentary. That's on the that's on the forbidden list. Yeah. I mean, it might be, you know, a nice segue. I don't know. Um, But definitely it's him throwing some major shade Mm -hmm. at her, like just kind of. I can't remember what it is. Like, basically, you don't do anything not on stage, or I, I don't know. But a fifty-year-old, fifty-two-year-old white male producer, director, actor who's been rich for thirty years, looking at Madonna and thinking she's not as talented as she thinks she is. Or it sounds like everybody's dad. I mean, well, I don't think it was. She's not as talented. It's like you're a publicity whore. Is basically what he was saying. Um. But I don't. I don't remember. That. I literally remember that clip just a little bit. And yeah, it must have been around this time. It had to have been on like VH1 or MTV or something. You know, ninety two. That would have been. I would have been sneaking to watch that. Oh, that was one that was on on our HBO free preview weekend at like one o'clock in the morning, and I turned it off. That that was another self censor. <laughs> You're like, this is not. I can't. It's not worth it. I can't. Well, it, it's first of all, it's black and white. It's just a bunch of ladies sitting around in a dressing room like, is she filleting a banana? Like, I'm not even sure. I'm 12. I don't even know if I really <laughs> fully know what's like. I got some weird feelings about fruit. <laughs> I don't know if it was a banana or a bottle. or there, There's, there's yeah. And... Well, I'm, okay, time out. Gonna just say, women can eat bananas. All right? It just is a thing. We eat fruit. It's good for you. Um, Like, Let's all stop and applaud because that means that woman's eating carbs and she's already <laughs> dealing with that. But get your mind out of the freaking gutter. We are allowed to eat bananas in public, you filthy, filthy boys. Sorry, are you talking to me? I still sort of, hey. <laughs> I mean, you do, but like it's in the privacy of our own home. But I just kind of feel like I'm not allowed to eat a banana in public because gotcha. I'm. It's it's like a weird thing of like, well, look at what you were wearing. Like, you were eating banana in public. Like, it feels like, okay, well, I got to, like, break this in half or do something weird. But I don't know. I'll get you a paleta in Mexico, babe. <laughs> All right. All right. So the Dick Tracy writes, 
So if you really want to dig into this, feel free. It was starting to make my my brain that doesn't practice law hurt. <laughs> but uh, basically, uh, film rights were kind of up for grabs after the there were some, you know, we talked about Dick Tracy meets gruesome with Boris Karloff right. and the return of Dick Tracy and all of those. But from about uh, then till about 75, it, nobody was really interested in making Dick Tracy movies. From 75, that's when Warren Beatty kind of started trying to make this movie. Wow. And yeah, yeah. But from 75 to about 85, it just sort of lingered in developmental hell. I think the uh, was it, uh, Chester Gould, the uh, creator, wanted a lot of artistic control mm. to, to give up the rights. And so it really no, – none of the studios were really kind of willing to work with a creator who wanting that much input and, and control over the final product. Uh, John Landis – was attached to direct the film for a while. Interesting. He actually dropped out after uh, Twilight Zone. So I guess he really dropped out of a lot of stuff at, Got the, it. at that point. If you guys don't know, there was an accident on the set of Twilight Zone. Three, uh, well, one, I guess one veteran actor and then two child extras were, were killed in the in the accident. I don't think I know what, I'm not sure I know. I know that movie. I know There's that. A, he directed the Vietnam scene. I don't know that I don't know that I've seen all of it ever before. Okay. I just when I think of and it might not even be the Twilight. The Twilight Zone. Twi- it also movie. has the uh, the Gremlin on the plane yes, and that the kid I, with the superpower. The, the Gremlin and, on the plane, I like viscerally remember, yeah. but that's all I really remember. The, the John Landis portion isn't the best portion of the film. That, that, that's the terrible part. That's such a horrible loss of life, and it's really not the best part of the movie. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> it's really the weakest of the stories. Well, I mean. But also, that's probably the product of, like, after that happened. So it, you kind of don't know could. really what it was supposed to be. Right, right. But, uh, so actually, Beatty himself was able to purchase the rights to Dick Tracy film himself in 85 for about $3 million. I think I knew that. I think I knew, like, he was, like, sole proprietor of it. Yes. So um, his pay for the film was $7.5 million. Plus fifteen percent of the gross receipts after fifty million, which that's a lot of the gross receipts, minus his budget overrun. I guess at this point he had a <laughs> Ooh, he had a little bit of a reputation. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. And this film did go over ten million dollars over budget in in filming. <laughs> gotcha. So uh, they're like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> yeah, there actually is a sequel to this film. It is a uh, TCM, Turner Classic Movies, an interview with Leonard Maltin of Dick Tracy. It's 30 minutes long. It came out in 2008. So it's an interview of... Of, of Dick Tracy of by Warren, Leonard Maltin. Of Warren Beatty? Of, well, Warren Beatty as Dick Tracy. Just being interviewed by... Leonard Maltin, yes. No. In 2013, a court said yes, that that was enough to keep the rights that you were Oh, they, did, they had to do it just to keep... Got it. Got it. Got yes. it. Got it. So, so your no did not hold up in court. Uh, apparently a lot of... Oh, I'm saying... I'm not saying no. It's not a sequel. I'm saying no. That was a terrible idea. But I understand they, they did the Spider-Man thing. Yes. You're not the only person who thought that that wasn't enough. I'm sorry. It just seems so sad. Like, like Dick... Uh, Warren Beatty in his yellow hat and yellow coat, like settling down in a chair. He didn't want a desk job. He's going to settle down in a chair and, <laughs> and do an interview. No. 
But a little bit about the release of this film. Do you did you see this in the theater? I think I did. Okay. Uh, so the ultimate uh, total for this was about 101 million spent by the studio. I mean, only about 35 in actual production costs. But that's when you're in the movie when you're in the pictures you know there, there's interest on loans that you take out right, there's yeah. advertising costs there's this that the other um so it ended up being about 101 million ended up making just about exactly 101 million domestic box office and then made about 56 million internationally so was modest. A, a modest success mm-hmm. they really 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 i think in the studio thought this was going to do batman numbers mm. I could see how they would think that during this time, but I could it's also... It's got all the same things, though. You know, comic book t- tie-in. It's got, uh, you know, Big Star playing the role. It's got uh, the McDonald's tie-in, action figures. Yeah, but I don't know that, like, the Big Star playing the role made a big difference with Batman, because Batman is, Batman is Batman. Like, I don't feel like Dick Tracy had the same cachet. Like, the character didn't have the same cachet during that time. Because I knew who Batman was. I didn't really, even with my dad, I didn't really know who Dick Tracy was. And as a kid, I Warren Baden didn't mean it. He's 52. Mm-hmm. He didn't mean anything to me. I mean, um, neither did um, Keaton at the right, time. It wasn't right. about Keaton. It was about the character, and that was the first Batman movie. That was the first superhero movie in a long time. Right. And Dick Tracy's not a superhero. No, no. It's comic book, but... It's not the same thing. Yes. I understand where they were coming from, but it's the classic, like, they don't you, get you it. You missed a really important right. aspect there. Yes. I mean, I think, yeah, what you're saying, this was my movie of the year. We've said that. That's everything I got for Christmas this year was mm-hmm. Dick Tracy stuff. I went as Dick Tracy for Halloween. I really wish we had a photo of that. I I can I can probably find it. But by ninety one or ninety two, I haven't seen this movie since probably ninety two. Because I think we've said that had I seen this movie since ninety two, Madonna's nightgown would have, <laughs> would have had, had a different effect. Yes, right. I'm not sure the last time I watched it. I feel like we watched it. I know we watched it at home. Like in rental, probably a Friday night, um, eating pizza. I might have been baking something. That was my, that was my thing. Once I learned how to bake things, when there were movies I didn't want to watch, I would go bake things for everybody else, so I didn't have to watch it. Now I know I watched this from start to finish. I don't know if we had multiples. We did have things we kind of came back to, but those. I mean, that cement scene really bugged me so much. Like mm-hmm. I could see myself bowing out of watching this again. I could I could see that too. Yeah, I mean, you even mentioned that over the years that you know this has come up a few times. Yeah, and is with it being one of my favorites, but it's just gone. You know, it's not in pop culture anymore. No, not at all. This movie was preceded by Roller Coaster Rabbit. Does that mean anything to you? Preceded like, like it had a, a short. A, the feature had a short before it. Yes, huh, a Roger no. Rabbit and oh. Baby Herman short. The second and I maybe the last of them. I think the first one was before Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. I remember that. Mm-hmm. I, I do remember that. When did Roger Rabbit come out? Ugh, 87, 88, something okay, like so that. Okay, so it was post. Okay. Yeah. So this was the uh, the fourth place movie of the summer. Pretty not, much about the ninth bad. place movie of the year. So 1990 up until this point. We had the big, the plus 100 million movies. We had Hunt for Red October, Pretty Woman, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Bird on a Wire, and Back to the Future. That's some heavy hitters. All right. 
So I, I'd say June kind of starts summer movie season. It's not technically yeah. summer, but... That seems fair. June 1st, Total Recall. Okay. Along with Frankenhooker. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Guns, which uh, is a Andy Sedaris movie. Oh, it's just called Guns? It's called Guns, yes. It, I think this is like post the original crew, but before like Eric Estrada was involved. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, it, it, if you haven't seen them, it's the triple B movies. It's like Blood Bullets and Babes or whatever. It, it's basically they just shoot things and have cars explode and have ladies with. But this was in the theater. Yeah, well, it made like twenty two thousand dollars in the theater. It probably opened in two theaters. Yeah, okay, yeah, that doesn't seem like a wide release. <laughs> kind of even property, this is not let alone. Babe, this but movies still. were still coming out in the theater. Well, a ton of things were coming out in the theater, but there were so many things that came out in the theater. This so is the qu- very beginning of straight to video. Well, I guess so, but I, I'm just saying, like, there were when we go down list, we, we've we've visited list a few times, late '80s, early '90s, and it's just powerhouse, 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 and that's just the handful of movies. But there are movies every weekend every, that they didn't seem like there'd be room for right. guns. Oh, who wants to open – what powerhouse movie wants to open the week after Back to the Future 3, though? That's – I think that's the key. That's, right. that's when you shovel some of your crap in. I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> and also, one of our uh, – somebody who's been in our podcast before, Ghosts Can't Do It, starring uh, Bo Derek. Ghosts Can't Do It? Yes. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, wow. Which is a movie I think pretty much is uh, – Go watch Bo Derek naked, and I don't think Bo Derek is naked in it as much as you would want if you were going to see. Go watch Bo Derek naked the movie. That seems yeah, but then you get what you deserve. <laughs> so next week, June eighth, another forty eight hours. Okay, I've not seen. 48 I haven't, hours I haven't seen either one hours. of those, but I know their things. I think Beverly Hills Cop goes on the podcast before forty eight hours. I think so too. Uh, June. Sorry. <laughs> June 15th, Dick Tracy and Gremlins 2. Ooh. The same frigging day. Wow. Two of my like biggest movies of my childhood. <laughs> so uh, June 22nd is RoboCop 2. And then um, June 29th, or sorry, I can't read my own writing. Here we go. All right. <laughs> Next week in June, Days of Thunder. Which, I don't remember who was talking about it just the other day, like, Apparently, oh, I was listening to Unspooled on Talladega Nights and how like the the uh, race community really got behind Talladega Nights did not get behind Days of Thunder. Huh, they were not Days of Thunder fans. I feel like I feel like Days of Thunder was a bigger movie than it was. I think so, too. I think they did a really good job advertising it. And Tom Cruise was huge. Mm-hmm. And it was Tom Cruise and Nicole, Nicole Kidman. Kidman. I think that's where they met. I think yeah. so, too. Yeah, which just seemed like, you know. Ah. Right. I, I think when I finally watched it, you know, it was probably, him with it was him with lots of hair. It's like okay, I guess it, it was fine. I guess you know nothing really. I remember nothing about it except there's a wreck. You know, I don't know. Yeah, and then we finish out June with Ghost Dad. Ghost Dad. Seriously, so the uh, top movies of the year, or I guess of the summer, Ghost. Hmm. Huge! I had no idea Ghost made so much money in the theater. It was it, we when we watched Ghost. 
I think they were probably at a point of like, we'll wrap this series up on kind of what were they thinking and kind of go back to a little bit of Forbidden. But we'll revisit that again because Ghost, we had Ghost. We watched Ghost. All all the sexiness, all the violence and all that. Same thing with The Fugitive. Like one-armed mans and <laughs> all kinds of things. But yeah, Ghost made more than two and three combined Die Hard 2 and Total Recall. Wow. That was a big summer for Ghost. We were talking about the production of this thing. All matte paintings, no CGI. I would have assumed so. I didn't really think that CGI would have been a thing. And a lot of the matte paintings were painted on glass, too. So that's how they could get the the lights and everything. Got it. That makes sense. Yeah, really cool concept. Oh, yeah. It's fantastic looking. Really a dreamy, eerie look. So completely flipping gears. The career of Sean Young. She was about three days on set as Tess Trueheart. That would have been a different movie. Mm-hmm. I think so. Sean Young was in a lot of things that she didn't end up in. How so? Like because of... Well, I mean, she... she was the original Marion from uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, that would have been a different movie too. Well, that was with uh, crap. Why can't I think? Magnum oh, P.I. Tom Selleck. Tom Selleck, yes. <laughs> they go together. I can see that. I mean, there, there's, there's footage of them. But I guess they, nobody thought Magnum P.I. would ever get picked up. <laughs> and once it did, like, well, he's contractually he's obligated. Like, damn it, Hawaiian shirts. <laughs> like, why do I look so good with my shirt unbuttoned and my hairy chest? And these shorty shorts. <laughs> I, just, I just find her career so complicated. I mean, she was fired early in production. She accused Warren Beatty of sexual inappropriate behavior really? on set. I think Barbara Streisand kind of came back and said that she just got fired because she's a terrible actress and hard to work with and an alcoholic. And Time out. Why does Barbara Streisand have anything to say? <laughs> I think, I guess Warren Beatty was good enough to her. Uh, she was on the list. Well, fine, but I don't think she has any... Well, I would not I would not say that Barbara Streisand has any problem sticking her nose in talking about things that she has nothing to do with. Careful with the nose stuff there, babe. We're, I mean, we're body positive on this podcast. Sticking anything. <laughs> I don't care. Her long, long nails. <laughs> but yeah, I think Sean Young kind of credits Barbara Streisand blasting her as kind of the end of her career. Oh, wow. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, she's also an early Weinstein accuser, mm. which complicates things a lot. Uh, she won a celebrity demo der- demolition derby in uh, Paris, Tennessee, at the state fair or at the county fair in two thousand eight. Two thousand eight. We could yeah. have gone to that. I, I was in school. I couldn't get away. I knew this was happening. I didn't know it was happening. Oh, see, I'm like the world's biggest Blade Runner fan. Got it. That she was also in. So I was well aware that she was going to be a celebrity demolition derby. I do love derby. a demolition derby. <laughs> we guys, there's some, there's some reasons. That red states are fun to be in. There's a lot of reasons they're not. <laughs> right. But they're damn funnel cakes and demolition derbies. And there's no substitute. And the other people who are watching them, chef's kiss. <laughs> I mean, I think like roller derby gets out of Trump's America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that there's, so we don't have an exclusive on that. No, we don't. But it, it's not that, yeah, it's not that common. But yeah, there there are definitely we have more mechanical bowls, for sure. 
Yeah, we, we definitely have things in, in red state America that, that you guys out there on the on the left coast of New York, you're missing out, guys. You, you are. are missing out. You are. <laughs> Hit us up. We can go. We can all go hang out and go do it. Um, Carl, what was going to say? Mm-hmm. Not Sean Young. I don't know. Never mind. All right. Apparently in 89, James Woods got a restraining order against her and filed a lawsuit against her because she kept on uh, leaving mutilated baby dolls on his uh, front porch. Who did? James Woods, actor. He's real problematic, though, isn't he? I don't know. Is he? James Woods? Yeah, I think he's very weirdly outspoken. Okay, okay. I think. I don't I don't know if he's problematic, like, like harassment-wise, mm. but I think he's problematic, like... You know, he seems like the kind of guy that could be like weirdly, I don't know which poll, but he could be. I feel like he's more in the Ted Nugent camp. Okay. Okay. Maybe that's maybe what I'm thinking. Um, Yeah. I mean, that, oh man, early wine. That's what I was going to say. Early Weinstein accuser. That's tough. Because, I mean, I, I listened to a conversation with Mira Servino and her talking about like not, no, like she wasn't an early accuser, but an early like rebuffer right and that's kind of end of her career and it wasn't she didn't know why right like she had this like huge existential crisis because she had no idea why she wasn't working anymore because she was super super hot um but it was a mix of like back off because she was with quentin tarantino and so that gave her a pass but it also meant like she was like blacklisted it was weird yeah, Weinstein, not a good dude. Like, no, I mean that's sorry. Side me, note, no, no, yeah, message of this podcast, like fuck you, Weinstein. Un- that's, that's an underrated statement. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, I don't know. Shakespeare in Love was on earlier, and it's like, ah, oh, that's so tough. I mean, I don't know what you do with the art of a. Uh, of someone who uh, he had nothing to do with the no, art he's, of that movie. No, he was just, no, no, no. He's he, not he was the just artist. the gross, sweaty money man. He was the man. money. He was right. the money. There are a lot of beautiful things that have happened, but disgusting people with money and be- people with I bad. Guess most beautiful things in this world, some disgusting fat white guy yes. paid for. Yes, so. probably so. So yes, like there's a reason the like, patrons of art. <laughs> They're usually gross. Yeah, <laughs> historically gross. <laughs> Sorry, we're we're talking about body positivity, but we're not positive about his like just yeah gross. Nah. Anyway, you can be whatever size you want to be. You can be as greasy as you want to be, oh, as long as you're not Harvey Weinstein. And it's you could fine. be you could be skinny and buff and amazing looking and still be and gross. Still be gross. Yes. <laughs> Nothing to do with it. Yes, our description of him is just him being gross. Blech. Uh, in 2022, Sean Young was arrested at an Oscar after party uh, for trespassing because she wasn't invited and then slapping a security guard. Mm. And in 2018, she was fired from a movie as director and then stole all the laptops out of the office. It sounds like we've got some maybe mental health issues or some... Possibly, possibly. She was in Celebrity Rehab with Dr. Drew, which that's... We watched a couple of seasons of that, and I wish we hadn't. Yeah, I, it's not good. Being someone involved in mental health and substance abuse treatment now, I, I recognize, first of all, how poorly those people did afterward. The, right. the outcomes were not great. No. And, and it was an attempt at maybe looking at, at abuse and substance abuse in a new way, but I, I don't think we got there. No, I don't think so. I think that it, it probably just wound up being a payday that fed some additional problems. Mm-hmm. 
So how about we 180 Yay, U-turn? We're having a sorry guys. Like <laughs> downer alert, downer alert. <laughs> so let's go to Charlie Corsmo. Who? The kid. Oh, 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 the kid, yeah. The kid. The kid. He acted in eight films. Dick Tracy Jr. Yes, Dick Tracy Jr. Okay. So I don't know four of his films. I think he was pretty small roles in them. But mm-hmm. he was in Dick Tracy. What about Bob? That's right. I did not recognize. I did not realize. I, I did. We watched that a lot, Bob too. What might have to go on this list at some point? What my parents thinking? We watched that a ton. Hook. Yeah. And Can't Hardly Wait. I forgot Can't Hardly Wait. Oh, I didn't remember. I really haven't seen Can't Hardly Wait, I don't think. That kind of was a miss for me. Um, th- those are some bangers. Tell me about it. If you're only going to be in eight movies and that's four of them, that's, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> it's an interesting thing that you would then choose... To, to leave Hollywood. I mean, like, leave well, all your head, I guess. It was six years between Hook and Can't, Can't Hardly, Hardly Wait. Wait. And yeah. then he's done one movie since. So that's, he didn't really leave Hollywood. He just sort of went to high school. You know? Went to high school, <laughs> went to, like, Ivy League college, I uh, think, right? Physics degree from MIT. Yeah. Which I really thought about MIT. And I would have been there with him. Oh, that would have been cool. That would have been cool. You're like, hey, I know you. Hey, hey kid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Law school from Yale in 2006, worked for the EPA and the Republican Party, and he's uh, currently a professor of corporate law at Case Western. Interesting. Yeah. I actually did look up his uh, his uh, his faculty page. His email and phone number are both listed. <laughs> hmm. And his CV, I was really curious. If you go all the way to the very last page of his CE on other works, it does have like a few bullet points. <laughs> and there is one bullet point like starred in major motion pictures. <laughs> Dick Tracy, what about Bob Hook? It can't hardly wait. Love it. It had to feel pretty cool. It did have to feel pretty cool. Should we email him? We should. Yeah. See what's up. Probably shouldn't call him. No, I, I don't want to call anybody. <laughs> 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 sorry, what? what? Bleep, 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 huh? 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 What's and that? now on the podcast. What's that noise? <laughs> so my search recommendations after searching stuff about Dick Tracy. Yeah. If you search Dick Tracy and budget, some things that, okay, guys, I still use Bing. I've never really been a Googler. <laughs> oh, so contrarian. I know. I know. But uh, so if you search, uh, oh, no, it's Dick Tracy McDonald's tie-in. Okay. Uh, more searches you might like. Sex long. My dad took a dick pic. Huge gay suck me. Very big. Average shaved. And cocks come and come. What? <laughs> Those are th- things that it's, that I guess people who search Dick Tracy McDonald's tie-in <laughs> would also be interested in. Hmm. I think I it's think just picking up on, like, one of those words. <laughs> yeah, I think Dick's doing a lot of heavy lifting. I think it is. <laughs> yes. Yes, that's that's the quote right there. <laughs> I don't have much about Madonna. I mean... Madonna's just Madonna star. Yeah. We've already kind of talked about Madonna, and we've already gone through the sex book. Right. I, I hate to say what else is there to say, but... It's not that what else is there to say, but she's just so huge and fabulous. I don't know what else I can do. Well, we'll maybe save that for, uh, you know, truth or dare or I don't know. Yep. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll learn some more. I mean, I'm kind of curious, like, so there's this. When does Evita come out? Oh, Evita. I drove to Evita. So 96, maybe. 
So, yeah, I, I just wonder, like, you know, her slow walk towards, um, you know, motion picture, like, being recognized as a legitimate actress. Ooh, I, I should have gone and looked at her timeline a little more. Like, where's A League of Their Own? Yeah, I'm not sure, like, where that all falls in. I feel like, oh, League of Their Own feels like it's in between. Did we talk about taxi dancers on this? Taxi dancers? I don't on the podcast. I don't, I don't know. I, I went deep on taxi dancing. I guess that's what was her occupation. It's the same as like charity from Sweet Charity. You're like paying ten cents for a dance. Oh, oh, like at, as a, at a dance hall. Yeah. When she was a character on A League of Their Own. Yes. yes okay. Yes. 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 <laughs> Sorry. Got it. <laughs> a little bit more specific. The two most interesting things I could find from this is she was paid scale. Really? Like SAG scale to work on this movie. They couldn't afford her. Mm. The, the budget, it was $10 million <laughs> over budget, but she really wanted to be she in She really movie. wanted to do it? Yeah. Okay. And really thought it would be good for her career. And then, then yeah, then that de- that definitely answers that question of like she was trying to like figure out how, where her niche was in, in, pic- in, in pictures. Yes, yes. This was not some like, here's $5 million to be in the phone or, you know, I can, I can right. do this whole movie without getting out of my car kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> There's a 30 Rock reference for you. <laughs> uh, and I guess Al Pacino said that uh, Madonna flashed him one day on set. And he said that for the rest of my life, if you ever see me just smiling like an idiot and you don't know why, I'm probably thinking of that <laughs> moment. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Just thinking of elderly. What is happening with his hair, Al Pacino, just with a goofy giggle on his face? I mean, is Al pa- has Al Pacino, have they done, are they doing a biopic? Have they done a biopic of Phil Spector yet? <laughs> I mean, casting right there for free. There you go. What was it? The the critic where they have the scent of a woman too. <laughs> it's like, I don't care. I'm out. Like you're annoying and nobody likes you. It's like you're gonna miss my blind driving. My hoo ha. Like my hoo ha. <laughs> you already said that. <laughs> Do you have anything else? Like hoo ha. <laughs> I mean, I'm just I'm curious on my own. I made my own research. Like just like how how much fun he was having on this set, like oh, man. choreographing this dance and dancing and singing and just like being <laughs> crazy. He was unhinged in the best way. Oh yeah, there's, it was perfect. Al Pacino performances where he's unhinged and it's just like, like somebody rein him in. This is two steps before like the big old, the shepherd's crook where we yank him off the stage. It is, but I mean, it works with the face and like all the makeup and it, it's just, it, I guess that's the thing. He's got to look crazy to be able to be that crazy. Yeah. You gotta, gotta, it also has to match. Yes. Yes. Okay. So Madonna's car is actually a replica of a Auburn speedster, but it was actually completely made from, uh, from the ground up by a, uh, by a prop shop. Well, that's fun. Did Adam Savage work on it? <laughs> I need to try too young. They were in Las Vegas. They were not in uh, in Southern California. So so no. But uh, the same team. Well, I guess, well, I guess also a uh, Auburn Speedsters also were um, in Temple of Doom, the opening scene, which you haven't really still haven't seen. seen. That's that's on but the, the list. The big escape from Club Obi Wan in. Uh, is is in short round and you you don't know any of this do you? It's called Club Obi Wan. Yeah. Oh, they're just a nod. They're in China. But is it a nod? It has to be a nod. Yeah, of course it is. <laughs> it's a story by George Lucas. 
Yeah, that's where the bit. Oh man, the opening scene in Club Obi Wan with the little uh, lazy Susan table where they're like money and diamonds and champagne back and forth with the Lao Shea, the gangster. No, nothing. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> but yes, they get away in one of the Auburn Speedsters. Cool. Actually, made by the same company. Cool. And it's um, the car is the inspiration for the first Batmobile in the comic book. I can totally see that. Yeah. Uh, the same team that made this car made the uh, the mutt cut wagon <laughs> in Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> oh, nice, Ma. They King. made Kit from Knight Rider. Okay. They made the Billy car D. that uh, in Rain Man. Also, Dustin Hoffman. Have you ever seen Rain Man? No. The car's a huge plot point. I know they're in the car a lot because he stole the car and then got kicked out of the house and. They, the dad leaves him the car and leaves Raymond the entire fortune. And that's he's kind of going to try to get his autistic brother to sign some of the money over Got to him. it. Okay. Okay. He, the, the autistic brother he never knew he had. So. Oh. All he remembers is when he was a very little boy, the, the rain man would talk to him. and uh, he did the, They did the A-Team van. Cool. And uh, the car in Thelma and Louise. Ah, classic. Yes, 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 yes. So cigarette holders. Yes. I think this is the fact of the podcast. Okay. I, mean, I know you with your fashion and design and the and function, I, I think maybe maybe you'll just be like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I will I will try not to underwhelm your fact of the podcast. Cigarette holders were designed to prevent ashes from falling on a lady's clothes because a lady can't wear a smoking jacket. Ah, so keeping it far away from you. Yes. Okay, it's interesting. The length of a cigarette holder depends on the event. Oh, okay. So depending on how formal the event is, a lady's clothing is going to be ah, more involved. That makes sense. So an opera cigarette holder is going to be 16 to 20 inches that's ridiculous <laughs> whereas a theater is going to be only about 10 to 14 inches dinner four to six and a cocktail is even shorter wow and a men should never be more than four inches sorry oh a cobble pot just a gauche <laughs> i just i mean so then yes when you see a lady in the 20s in a you know slinky cocktail dress with a two-foot cigarette holder it's really kind of flaunting an established social order interesting and kind of a rule of fashion and design i love it <laughs> which is kind of what the 20s were all about absolutely they were all about fuck you <laughs> so i was just so happy about that that's cool like i like etiquette it rules associated with the cigarette holder i love it i l love arbitrary rules <laughs> So you were really curious as to why Dick Tracy didn't have a people. Yes. Yes. Were peoples not invented? Were peepholes. I think we're saying peoples. it too fast. <laughs> it sounds like peoples. <laughs> <laughs> peoples. I was I was interested in why he didn't have a peephole because he got uh, rused by multiple people. His who's there was not an effective method it was of determining not. who was there. It was there. not. All you had to do was change your voice and then you'd open the door and boom goes the dynamite. Um, this movie set in 1931. Okay. Peepholes were invented by George Winningham in 1932. Ah! <laughs> historically accurate Warren Beatty. <laughs> I mean, as a detective, he was like, you know what would be effective? Like, George, George. <laughs> I think I called Sam Ketchum Bug Bailey in the, the entire time. Bug Bailey's a different character. 
Sam Bug, Bug Bailey's the guy up in the right. Bug Bailey is the ghost of, or not the ghost, of, but he's in Scrooge. Right. Um, right. No, Sam Ketchum is uh, is Max Fisher's dad. Oh, okay, good okay, name, okay, yeah, Sam yeah, yeah. Ketchum. It is. Yes. Um, Dusty. Dusty. Yes. But uh, you can't search for the origin of the peephole without getting some stuff about glory holes. <laughs> Yeah, I would imagine that the the other suggested searches are pretty wild. I just invite you to take a look at this uh, etch this Persian uh, woodcutting from seventeen twenty one. I say there. Would you like to come upstairs and take a look at my etchings? <laughs> Isn't there a like a Thunderbirds like pre Team America thing on Saturday Night Live with Will Ferrell? Maybe. And I think that's one of his things is he's trying to figure out how to distract the terrorists that are coming after them. So he's like, like, take your top off. Like, Arab men are always have always been fascinated by superior European and American women. Like get a load of this obscure seventeenth century Persian pornography. <laughs> like, that's sick, Mike. Like, I know. But it makes me horny as hell. Weird. <laughs> All right, so what am I looking at? Because I'm kind of far away from you. I believe it is um, a man exposing himself through a hole in a fence. Oh, so a very early glory hole. Yes, yes. So the yeah, glory holes have been around since 1721. Nobody thought, like, oh, that thing we put our dicks through, we could also like look through it to see who's on the other side of the door. <laughs> <laughs> it, took, it took 211 years. Oh, that was that was for... <laughs> That's that's what happens when men are in charge, people. Yeah. For 211 years, guys are putting their dicks through things, and it never once occurs to them. It's like animals and children. Like, does that go in my mouth? <laughs> does my dick go in it? <laughs> uh. Maybe that's the fact of the podcast. <laughs> you wanted to know which city this is. Right. It's the city. <laughs> oh, comic books in their cities. <laughs> Actually, I read uh, Roger Ebert's review of this, which will come into play later. But he thinks that the city is a character in and of itself, that it represents everything you would think about a city. Anything someone from the suburbs would be afraid about a city, anything who someone who lives in a city would love about a city. I think that makes sense, but I think it's kind of a bay city. <laughs> That's really what I was looking for. You can drive an hour to farmland, so it's probably in the Midwest. So it's probably Chicago. Okay, that works for a river. Okay. But Chicago on New Year's... No. No, you're not going to be going out for ice cream. Or no. <laughs> that, that's why I made me think it was in California. So, awards. This movie was nominated for seven Oscars. Wow. And won three. That's impressive. Yeah. This movie is tied with Black Panther for being comic book movies with the most Oscars ever won. It's a category. Yes. It got uh, Best Art Direction, Best Makeup, and Best Original Song. I would say 100% yeah, deserved. That makes totally sense, yeah. Um, it uh, was nominated but didn't win Best Cinematography, Best Costume Design, Best Sound, and Best Supporting Actor for Al Pacino. Ah, poor Al Pacino. <laughs> Completely goose egg in the Golden Globes. Interesting, because that's usually a precursor. Yeah, yeah. But it, uh, well, it was nominated twice for original song, so sometimes that dilutes the vote. Mm, that makes sense. It was nominated for Best Picture of the Golden Globes, though. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, Dustin Hoffman. I don't have much about him, except I think I need to dig out. My bachelor pad roommate was in art school, 
and his like final project oh, was yeah. and he drew, drew this just photorealistic portrait of Dustin Hoffman and it is fantastic. It's really great, yes. And I think he may be a little problematic now as well, but it's just a great piece of outsider art. That- I, I'm sorry, I don't I mean, he's a man that grew up between the nineteen blah, 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 and two thousand and one. I mean he's a lot of problematic people, mm-hmm. famous men during that time. And it's not okay. It's not okay. But I'm just saying he's in the minority. I mean, there's there's just scales of problematic. I, I think so. is all we're really dealing with. I guess I don't. I remembered being at a dinner party when Polanski got his Oscar and didn't like Harrison Ford. Get, like do the presentation and like flew to France to give him the Oscar. I think so. Yeah, and everybody. In any sort of talking hit anywhere, it was like, come on, like, why don't we just like give this guy, like, let this guy come back? Like, it, it's so, like, it was nothing. It was, you know, it was just a thing. It was just the 70s. It was just the way things were. I was at this dinner party and everybody was like, yeah, exactly, exactly. It's just a little sex. And I was like, what are you people talking about? Well, I'm not saying <laughs> this is a problem. I'm not saying skills are problematic. No, 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 no. Is no. like, we should just accept it. I'm saying that. Everybody was fucking problematic. No. I'm just glad that Polanski is re-canceled in the Me Too era. That Yes. There was a time in the 90s where, where he was, was a like, genius. Everyone was trying to be, or maybe the 2000s, or like trying to be these new bohemian whatever. I mean, and... I'm sorry. We were early 20s in the, in the early 2000s, and it was just exhausting. <laughs> I mean, it was exhausting to try to be so avant-garde. I mean, so <laughs> I understand like where people where people thought they were going with that, but they were wrong. Yes, yes. <laughs> so I was really concerned about the body count in this film being really high for a PG movie. I'm, I'm guessing by the raise of your eyebrows, which is the only thing that I can see for the mic guard, is that it's not as much as you thought. Not so much. I mean, their movie this had a final body count of like 32, which oh, is still a lot for a PG movie. It's still a lot, but it's a gangster movie. I mean, yeah, you, yeah. you have most of that happening in that one scene. You have things like Kelly's Heroes, body counts in the hundreds. I mean, these are all older. You know, the Outlaw Josie Wales, You Only Live Twice, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Star Wars. I would have never thought of Star Wars with a high body count. But, but I guess it does. But when they're in plastic suits, you don't think about it the exactly, same way. Exactly. Yeah. Was it on uh, Rick and Morty where he's like, shoot them. Like, I don't want to shoot somebody. He's like, they're robots. And he shoots somebody. <laughs> he's like, ah, like, I can't feel my leg. Like, Tell my wife I love her. Like, they were robots. Like, I sort of meant like cogs in a in a political industrial machine <laughs> the guy's just laying there screaming and crying oh rick and morty <laughs> show us what you got yeah like the spy who loved me and return of the jedi are all in the top 100 body count movies of all time and the they're spy all PG. who loved me really wow okay and they're all g pg 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 yeah okay so going to print so we've kind of done a lot of Playboy from 1990. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we've discussed in this podcast, I will probably have to post this, though, that they are Warren Beatty and Madonna on the cover of Sex Stars of 1990. It's hot. Beatty looks pretty good with the machine gun. He looks fantastic. Uh, can we just, we are not gun people at all. No. But Tommy guns are pretty freaking cool. <laughs> I mean, they're pretty freaking cool because they're placed in a time in a place that we didn't experience. And so I think that they're over there. Ah, it's that drum magazine just looks It looks cool. So cool. It looks really cool. Um but yeah, I mean Sorry, if you're 
It's an assault little, rifle, and so that's technically, I mean, it's as close as it could have been at the time. Um, if and, you're posting pictures of yourself in your AR-15 with nah. your hat and your your gray goatee, you you don't look cool. No, you your don't. Your really too tight shirt that's tucked in that has something about some sort of freedom or something, you don't look cool. Sorry. No. No, no, no. You're gross. <laughs> so I deep the hell dove the Observer Reporter. <laughs> <laughs> So here we go. Hold on, folks. All right. All right. Terry Hazlitt is not uh, – he's, he's already editing by this point. They're buying Roger Ebert – they're rerunning Roger Ebert columns in the movies. Sorry. I'm tapping myself. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Audio medium, people. Don't uh... – <laughs> Roger Ebert gave this thing four stars. How many stars does he normally have? Five? Four. Oh, he's four. Okay. Yeah. So like, why did he choose four? Four is stupid. <laughs> Sorry. Everyone you think knows five. Everyone knows that odd numbers are more aesthetically pleasing. Okay, I'm sorry. And you could have a middle like that's that's four stars and and two thumbs. That's all you got, babe. Nah. I'm gonna read this verbatim because I think it is great. And he says that uh, what they were about was the interaction of these grotesque people doomed by nature to wear their souls on their faces. We see this process at work in one of the film's first scenes where a poker game is in process and everyone around the table looks like a sideshow attraction. From Little Face, whose features are at the middle of a sea of dissipation, to the brow, always deep in a shallow thought. That's great. <laughs> always deep in a shallow thought. I don't think the brow, does he even say anything? It was like, you're a little face. I don't, I don't even know. He had a trading card. He, had, he was on McDonald's. Like, he did not. Have a lot of screen time. <laughs> yeah. I don't think his character description even said anything. Always deep in a shallow thought. That's way more thought than was even on like the the parentheses on the script. And said that uh, big boy Caprice played with such grotesque energy that we seem to have stumbled upon a criminal from Dickens. I could see that. Uh, grotesque energy. That, that That's a very much. Yes. <laughs> So what was going on this week? What was going on this week? What was week? going on this week in June in 1990? I was just curious. It's like, this is old enough that I was aware of news, but not old enough that things were really meaning much to me. June of 1990. So I would have been nine years old. Mm -hmm. Ooh, I don't know. I would have just been worried about slip and slide. Well, the front page, uh, U.S. Supreme Court 6-3 ruling allows DUI checkpoints. Okay, interesting. Uh, family leave bill passes the Senate. It already passed the House. Would go on to be uh, vetoed by George H.W. Bush. Wouldn't be till 1993 that Clinton would sign the Family Medical Leave Act. Okay. So that's a, that's a big something, deal. That, something that's such a culturally relevant yeah, thing. Yeah, it just feels it, yeah, it was, part of it. It wasn't until then. It's, it's hard to think of there being a time when it was a fierce political divide. Well, there's so many things that shouldn't be a fierce <laughs> political divide, but that's is what that is. The front page also included a anecdote about a domestic violence arrest. An anecdote? Yeah, a little little joke headline. Cool. Yeah, uh, it's uh, newlyweds arrested on wedding night. They were fighting in a par uh, parked car on the way home from the courthouse, and uh, they uh, asked when booked. If they could share the same cell on their honeymoon, but unfortunately, we could not agree to the request. 
Okay. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> they still have hospital admissions and discharges in 1990. And the paper? In the paper. We talked about how they did in the 70s, but this is 1990. Yeah. When when was HIPAA again? Uh, nine, 2000, maybe? 98, 2000? That seems so, like, always been around, too. <laughs> An ad for Newport cigarettes in the paper. I mean, yeah. Advertisement for the Brass Rail. Abilene is going to be there on Friday and Saturday nights. So I need to know what is the Brass Rail. It sounds like a dan- like a strip club. Like a strip club. It does. It do- it's not. It's a hotel. It's a hotel. Or motel, holiday inn. I don't know. Right, right, right. But it's been open since 1928. They still have a website. Okay. I don't think the website has been updated in a while. Is it green with white letters? Um, It advertises that they have cable channels and DSL modem jacks in every room. <laughs> Cute. <laughs> so, like, no Wi-Fi. <laughs> they uh, have a restaurant and uh, drive through beer shop. That is open from 11 a.m. till question mark. Well, you know, you never know when Jimmy's going to want to go home or, you know. I looked up. It, there, it's standard hamburger. Standard. I, I would love to live for a week in somewhere between the 70s to the 90s in the Northeast. It just seems like there's just so much fried bologna and and ham salad and egg salad and this salad and, and lots of seafood and that you don't have anymore <laughs> and but the fries you choose old bay or lawry's like which seasoning you want on your fries mm, that sounds good and they do have 40 ounce beers available for takeout that's almost a good idea i mean they don't care if it's a good idea <laughs> the observer reporter also has a very scathing review of the local production of oklahoma oh no what did they do i think they just said that it was extraordinarily boring and uninspired um and they really did not appreciate uh jamie farr's performance as ali hackham jamie farr was in the production of (laughs) wow in this little bitty town it's it's a suburb of pittsburgh okay jamie farr (laughs) As the peddler man. Exactly. That's exactly what I think of when I think of that character. Why don't we get Jamie Farr to play him? I see it. Really? Uh, yeah, I see it. I Because he's supposed to be a fish out of water. He's not supposed to fit in with anybody else in the town. He's supposed to stand out and kind of like, you know, have a, a potentially exotic slash questionable. And yeah, I think that makes sense. Okay. I don't know. Sorry. I just think like. You know, we're going to get a racist stereotype character. Like, let's get Jamie Farr. <laughs> I just don't see him as... Well, it's in the movies, it's like Eddie... Uh, what's his name? It's He's got two first names. Um, Eddie Allen, Allen Eddie, Eddie... Eddie... What's his face? Ed Earl. No, he's... it. No. <laughs> he's the guy in Green Acres. Okay, okay. Yeah, I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what is his name? I don't know. It's not going to come to me. On TV this week, uh, The Boy Who Could Fly is on The Wonderful World of Disney. I know that exists. I haven't seen it, though. Um, Description doesn't age well. I would totally find that not hard to believe. A young boy becomes autistic after his parents' death. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I I don't think that would hold up. I mean, but if you you just change it to... uh, 
The young boy becomes autistic after he got a vaccine. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> just as believable. Uh, the review of the Perfect Strangers rerun this week that Balky is up to his outrageous best. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. <laughs> Balky. So the advertisement for the Roadrunner Cafe. Now on Saturday night, guys, from 9 to 11, Ladies Night Out. Featuring New York Hot Bodies. Seven dollars in advance, ten dollars at the door. Men admitted after eleven. Oh dang, they get they, they get seven to ten. Seven to ten, no men. That's usually you have ladies' night. I think to bring ladies in, so you don't have too many dudes. <laughs> I think that's usually what ladies' nights are for. I think there's going to be some dudes waiting at the door at ten thirty. Like these ladies are getting a little bothered. <laughs> Well, there's going to be a lot of dudes that be like, hey, we're, we're not interested in the ladies. We're interested in the dudes. They didn't get to go. Oh, I guess that's true. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's probably more fun. <laughs> they're, they're way more, those guys are way more fun to hang out with. For sure. The, ladies, the guys that are drinking at the bar across the street that couldn't get in. Yep. It's going to be way more fun than like the weird sweaty guys out just waiting to, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. The predatory weirdos. Right. There's an advertisement. It just has an address. And you just mail a check there and they mail you a Dick Tracy t-shirt. <laughs> that seems real not above board. That's very trusting. <laughs> and um, I think we're pretty much going to close on they still have an advertisement for mail order houses. Oh, I wow. I cannot believe that is still a thing. In, that late? Wow. Yeah, it's in 1990. That like $52,000 for a like 2,800 square foot, three bedroom, three bath house. Is it still Sears ones? It's not Sears. It's no. not Sears. Um, oh, that fasc- I, those things fascinate me like crazy. Have you listened to the household name about the Sears mail order houses? I feel like I've listened to it while you were listening to it, but I, don't, okay. I haven't listened to a full episode. Yeah, that, that just, that whole concept. It's so cool. It's it's such a time stamp. mail you the carpet. You know, well, I was going to say, like, it's such a time stamp, but if it's still happening in 1990. I know. I could not believe that. Was it, like, how is that and cigarettes, advertisements, and then, like, things I remember all it's happening so at the crazy. same time? <laughs> Madonna. Madonna and mail order houses exist in the same world? What? <laughs> what? We're going to end on the Father's Day barbecue guide. Okay, we're, we're right here. Because this is going to come out on Topical. Father's Day. We have the Southern Sunshine Punch. Ooh, what's in that? Two cups of orange juice, half cup of bottled lemon juice. They specify bottled lemon juice. <laughs> okay. They don't want anybody squeezing anything fresh here. Oh, no. No, no. <laughs> Quarter cup of sugar. Dads don't want to squeeze fresh lemon <laughs> juice. <laughs> like, we just wanted to be sure that this is not a cocktail. This is a, <laughs> this is, this is a punch bowl full of hooch. Right. One quarter cup of sugar, one 32-ounce bottle of lemon-lime carbonated soda beverage. Okay. And three-quarter cup of Southern Comfort. That seems sweet. I don't think this sounds terrible. I, this this might be – it's a little too early to really have a cocktail for uh, for recording, but this, this might come up in a future episode. We'll try it out. So there's a pasta and salsa salad, herb-marinated chicken, and versatile barbecue sauce. Versatile barbecue sauce? I think there's 11 cubes of bouillon between the three recipes. <laughs> oh, man. That, that's why people, yeah. Heart attack city. <laughs> and there is a uh, strawberry, strawberry brownie tort 
and a banana blueberry cream pie. That sounds good. Between the two recipes, there are two cans of sweetened condensed milk and an entire tub of non-dairy whipped topping. Yum. (laughs) Bring it on. I feel like I could redo all of these recipes better. (laughs) You would think that. But... But I think that sometimes there, the there sometimes, just, and especially like 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 key lime pie. We've talked about. I think Dexter has a whole episode about that, right? Like key lime pie is was created out of lack, so I, I you know, in, in the the draw of it is not fancy, and I think there are a couple things like that. I mean, pasta and salsa salad. I feel like I could come up with a. That seems like some real like pantry shit. <laughs> Like, what do we got in the pantry, Dad? I think whoever, whatever company had just come out with their Mexican bouillon, and they were kind of trying Ooh, to find so this recipes. Is, this is this is bought you by Nor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a random. And I'm going to end the episode on their little, you know, cooking tips. And it says the, the one cooking tip is to boil chicken before grilling it to speed up the cooking process. Okay. Guys, if you're boiling your chicken out there, I have nothing to say to you. Turn this podcast <laughs> off. <laughs> I don't want to be your friend. I'm sorry. Boiling chicken is an abomination. Well, there we go. Line in the sand. <laughs> if you have a recipe where boiling chicken works, I'm curious, but I think you're wrong. I'm not I'm not sure where where you stand on that. Like if you're open open to suggestions or you're just like, no, really. I, <laughs> I think you're wrong. Anyway. If you think it's better in something. Come at me. I'm I'm listening, Internet. Okay. If you think if you honestly think it's better, if you're just not doing it just because it's faster or I don't have to worry about it, it's dry, it's gross, it's gray, it, it's just not good. All right. I think we got it. All right. All right. So Dick Tracy good, boiled chicken bad. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Terrible, terrible, horrible. Got it. All right. So yeah. Um, Almost as bad as Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> It's gross too, but different. <laughs> it's different. Um, yeah. So same shade. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's true. That's true. It's true. Um, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> I'm gone. <laughs> totally lost. Yeah. So, are we gonna do truth or dare? Are we talked, or you want to? This is an on-camera production meeting. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. All right, so next week, Madonna's Truth or Dare. Stay tuned. I know nothing about this movie besides it was black and white. Someone was flating something, and I turned it off because I was scared. And I just I know Warren Sandra Bernhard's in it. in it. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. All right, so let's check this out, see what happens. I have no idea if there's enough material there for a whole episode, but we'll we'll, we'll, we'll find out together, guys. Let's do it. All right, thanks, guys. Thanks for hanging in. Um, check us out. Follow us on Instagram, Forbidden Cinema. Um you know, if you haven't yet, follow, rate, review, subscribe, all of those things um, on iTunes, App, um, Apple Podcasts. We'd really appreciate it. Um, we're having a lot of fun and getting some good feedback and we just love, hey guys, we're, we're on charts. We are on charts. We are in the top 100 for film history. I don't know how that happened. I don't know either. thank every one of you. Yeah, thanks. It's great. It's so fun. Um, a few reviews, we could probably be in the top 50, and I don't think I'm ready for that. Let's so. do it, though. Let's do it. You know, I mean, hey, let's see what happens. And I let slip in uh, dinner the other night that our lowest rated uh, Not video, our. Not our. I'm sorry. Yes, that, that we have managed, this podcast has managed to take the lowest rated video on Playgirl.com and take it to middle of the road. <laughs> I mean, 
we have no absolute proof of that, but it seems like there's some sort of correlation potentially. I'm pretty sure there had been no reviews on it since uh, 2014 until I reviewed it. Got it. There could have only been one review. It was a one star review, and then my five star review brought it to a three star. I'm choosing to believe that it's the uh, the Forbidden Army out there. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, you you already made some impact. Let's see where we can do on some lists. So if you haven't um, rated and reviewed, we'd appreciate it. And please share with your friends. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're friendly, right? Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah. So Forbidden Cinema on Instagram. If you haven't checked out Minx on HBO Max, do that. It's tons of fun. And we're Minx on Max going deeper on all the podcast things as well and on Instagram. And you can shoot us an email, Forbidden Cinema Podcast at Gmail. All right. Bye, guys. Thanks. Bye.